0: To get bangs. I am your host, Julia Rossi, and today's guest is Aparna Nancharla. She is just so, just what a great human being, uh, comedian, writer, actress. She's currently uh, plays Moon on the series Great North. She's super funny in uh, the show Corporate. Um, she's just been in a bunch of things. She does a bunch of great things. And uh, this conversation was just such a delight. I've been
1: having so much anxiety about the pandemic ending, which sounds grotesque even to say, because it makes it seem like I like the pandemic, but I think I'm just nervous about any big change and how to re-socialize. I like feel feral or something.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's very normal. I mean I I I I keep saying like we're we're, this whole notion of like returning back to normal, but I don't really know what I'm returning to. No. And if I want to like if you haven't if you haven't changed in the past year, (laughs) then there's no help. (laughs) For the better or worse. Right, right, right. Just
1: changed in some way.
0: Yeah, if you're still like, all right, I'm going to go right back to being the exact same person I was all of 2019. I know,
1: and not even that everyone – I mean, I feel like everyone has interpreted all the pandemic guidelines in their own way. It's really, it's really been like a choose-your-own-adventure of how yeah. you <laughs> wanted to play the past year. But still, I still think everything has been weird enough that everyone has to adjust in some way to whatever this – next phase is going to be.
0: Yes. I I think, I think something you and I have, I think we've both talked about it with each other. Yeah. But about I'm somebody who I want to be invited to parties. Yes. I don't necessarily (laughs) always want to go. Right. Right. I'm devastated when I don't get the invite. Oh yeah. But the, I, and, and I, I mean the amount of jokes that I have made on and off stage, about like oh, I gotta like put on. And I feel the same way about show, everything, especially anything at night. It's like oh, I gotta like I know. put on clothes and then talk to people, and then what if I'm in one of those moods where I'm I'm thinking the much and all that stuff, and and then to have it go away, like you said, yeah, it's that was <laughs> it was terrible but wonderful at the same time <laughs> right, for me, right, 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 and that is something that I'm like. I think I want to, I mean, I would love to go to a party soon to see people, but I'm still probably going to leave early. Yeah,
1: for sure. Because <laughs> I, I even read, because there have been so many think pieces about people's pandemic feelings. And I read things where people are like, I even miss like the annoying parts of parties, you know, like when I'm trapped in a conversation or something. And I'm like, I still don't miss that. Yeah.
0: Do you realize <laughs> The amount of times at parties that I'm like, oh, I have to go use the bathroom. That's my, <laughs> that's sometimes I really do. So if anyone listening, yeah. if I say I have to use the bathroom, not always lying, but it is, I feel like it's the only way sometimes. The only way. Yeah. To get away from something. If, you, I don't- if
1: you're not a smoker, I'm always jealous of smokers because they're always like, I'm going to go get, have a cigarette. And that's totally understood as not rude.
0: But know? I have, sometimes I do say I'm going to go smoke a joint. Oh, okay. See, that still counts. That's yeah, so it's funny. still it's still putting tox, toxins in my lungs, maybe, <laughs> in order to avoid human contact. Well, it's still like polite in that you're like,
1: I don't want to get like smoke all over you guys if you if you're not into that.
0: Yeah, yeah. <sighs>
1: I can't be like I'm gonna go. I need to go s- stand quietly outside. Yeah, for a well, minute.
0: It, I think that I. And I'm curious if you feel this way at all. But I feel like I first one of the attractive things about comedy when I was in my 20s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and at times in my life when I was you know single or or not in a in a you know not into my partner or whatever yeah. wherever my head was, right? I was actually very attracted to the social aspect of yeah. comedy. That was almost one of the things that kept me going in it. Yes. And as I've gotten older, it's become unfortunately my one of my least favorite I love I I love meeting people and I love having one-on-one conversations like the amount of beautiful moments I've had with people backstage or after yeah whatever incredible but the putting yourself out there right (laughs) it's
1: so much energy I don't know maybe that energy is like there in your 20s or you know whenever your first few years that you start and then it just you run out and then you're yeah. like, I can't, I can't keep doing this forever. But do you ever, do you ever wonder about those people who are like older, like maybe, and they're still doing,
0: seems like they're still doing the hangout circuit. And you're like, how? I mean, I guess people have different personalities. I yeah. also don't drink like I used to. Like mm. I'll, I'll be like, Ooh, I think I'm like, I'm now a person that goes, Ooh, I think, I think I'm going to have one, <laughs> you know, like ooh, look at me, you know, whereas in my twenties, I was literally like. There's a half drink drink <laughs> on the bar. I guess I'll take it. Are there drugs in it? Who cares? You know, yeah, like, right, I, right. I was a, you know, a. it was a socially acceptable mess.
1: Yeah, I think your 20s is a lot about just like, I really want people to just include me. And like, do I have what it takes to be included? And then maybe your 30s and 40s are more just like, okay, I've kind of showed you guys who I am are you going to occasionally invite me to your parties that I may or may not show up to?
0: Gosh. And I'm so embarrassed to say this, but well, I guess it depends what headspace I'm in, but I still have some of those, like they're definitely less as I get older, but I still struggle with being included. Mm -hmm. And then also the flip side of that, because I know that, Being included is such, like, I guess, a wound for me. Yeah. I then tend to include too many people in a lot of things that I do. Oh. Like, every time the plan has been to have a small gathering, Mm -hmm. I then start last-minute texting. Like, when I got married the first time. Yeah. (laughs) I started inviting people like, last minute being like, I don't know, I guess if you want to, like, pop by. Like oh, to did. the like, wedding. Yeah, I I mean, to, I just uh, – like my, my then husband was like, what are you – you can't – there's, like – I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's just – I feel bad if they don't – like, I always, like, feel bad if somebody – because I know that feeling of, like – your friends being like, hey, are you going to go to so-and-so's? And you're like, yeah. what's – why? What's happening at so-and-so's? And then there's all these photos of it later. And again, oh, no. do I even want to leave the house? Not always. No. But those photos, how dare you have fun without me? dare you? So because I know how bad it feels – and maybe it's, this doesn't matter to a lot of people. Some people don't give a right. shit about this at all. Right. But then I end up – my small birthday dinner of four people yes. suddenly turns into a bar party – with people oh. I've spoken to once and I'm like that is something that I am curious to see if this year off yeah I hope that that has changed for me because it that also doesn't feel good
1: Well I don't think you're alone in that because I feel like every other comedian birthday party is just so many people that you're like how like I don't even think I know some of these people like even their faces Not I mean I don't even I'm terrible with remembering everyone's names, but like you know how people would do those joint birthday parties where it was Oh I did a lot, yeah. You're really just trying to minimize any chance of people being like, well, they don't know a lot of people.
0: Yeah. I mean I I am curious to know if anyone's listening who's not a comic, (laughs) I do wonder if this happens in other worlds, because I do think fortunately, unfortunately, our job uh the boundaries are very blurred about who is a friend yeah. and who is a coworker because i don't know again i have no idea but i have no idea if somebody who works at like a law firm yes i don't know if they feel the same pressure to include all the other lawyers <laughs>
1: Some of that does feel human, like just like yeah. a basic human quality of like, who's in the social group? Am I respecting the hierarchy? Do I know my place in it? But I think you're right in that comedians are probably hypersensitive to those things and and always like overanalyzing them in a way that's probably self-destructive.
0: Yeah. And then again, you have the whole, the word friend. Oh, God. It's so – well, even with just the internet, it's
1: become such a weird morph morphing term.
0: What does that even – I mean, mean, I guess we're all friends? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I'm
1: so bad at gauging, like, relationships beyond, like, close inner circle. Like, everything between that and, like, stranger, I'm like, I don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, the word – because I say – sometimes I say acquaintance. Yeah. But that but then that doesn't always feel right. Right. Cuz then there's like Well, you're a friend. Mhm. We're not in each other's inner circle. No. But I love talking to you.
1: Yeah. So what does that make us?
0: I guess just friends? Right. But it but the word has been ruined. <laughs> that, it because adds. there's people online that probably are like well i'm also a partner's friend it's like right. no you are <laughs> an avatar of a bird and i have no idea who you are <laughs> i got a lot of those friends yeah but bird avatars but if any of those birds want to rate and review this podcast right you are i love them yeah You are so
1: welcome. I just was thinking about the party thing, and I was like, I think my feeling on inclusion is I want to be included, but then I don't want to have the responsibilities of being included. Yes. Like needing to show up, needing to like, I'm terrible at saying goodbye when I leave. I'm like, they're not going to care if I say goodbye. The goodbyes are the hardest.
0: We'll be right back after a quick break.
1: I also grew up with parents who, like, we would go to a lot of parties, uh, my sister and I, of, like, you know, family, friends, or just their co-workers, and they would take the longest time to leave, like, basically, like, a South Asian goodbye is like, we say we're leaving, and then an hour later, we're actually leaving.
0: <laughs> I was, uh, well, my husband, I used to try to do a joke with this on stage. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll try to... Maybe I'll try to bring it back if I ever return to the stage. Who knows? And um, who am I anymore? You know? <laughs> um, no, but I, uh, he, I, I was always somebody who went around and did all the goodbyes as well. Mm-hmm. And then in the last few years, I really started to try to adapt the Irish goodbye. Yes. Because it's just easier. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I also am not in a place anymore to just to, to succumb to. Um, Come on. Stay. I know. Have one more drink. Like I, it's just and then I end up explaining myself. Yeah. And then I feel bad. It's just. Yeah. It's it's I, I emotionally cannot handle it. So my husband and I, whenever we're at like a show or a party together, I'll be like, let's just leave. And he's like, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. And without fucking fail. I am outside waiting for the lift. Oh no! And I like will look in, you know, the window of the bar or whatever. And he's just like, ha and like doing like a, a hug on the back and then laughing. Oh, my and then God. I can see somebody else coming up and adding to the conversation. And then I end up looking right. like the bitchy wife. Yes, who's like, uh, hello. I thought we were gonna leave. Right, and right, so, right. You know, that's, that's tough.
1: That's like good good cop bad cop. I don't know if we're still supposed to use that expression now, but
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't know what to replace it with.
0: I think we all understand what you meant. Yeah. But that that notion of I mean, and then, you know, you're talking about South Asian, the Italian goodbye is just Are they are about- they
1: similar or no? Are they dragged <sighs> out?
0: They're dragged out and then I feel like there's a lot of complaining, you know, like, like they'll be like, goodbye, by the way, the lasagna, not so good, you know, (laughs) it's a lot of like shit talking about the party. And I'm like, can you save this for tomorrow?
1: Oh, got it. Wow. That's fascinating. (laughs) Because I feel like South Asians are almost the opposite. Like they'll go out of their way. And of course, these are huge generalizations, but they'll like go out of their way to be like overly cloying about what a good time they had, how nice your house is, how good the Mm. food was. And then I think they will shit talk later with their friends.
0: Yeah, I think again overgeneralization. I I I tend to make generalizations about Italians immigrants, and then oftentimes someone will be like, "That sounds like it might just be your family," and I'm like, "No, don't blame my family's personality; it's their ethnicity. That's why they're assholes, Um, uh, lovely assholes." But no, they will be very, yes, very nice to the face. Yeah, but I mean, shit, 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 talking.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe, again, maybe that's just people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. If any of my relatives are listening, they're not. But they're going to be like, "What? Well, well, Ma, what did she say? No, um, I can do the accent. Yeah, you're allowed to do the accent. Italian accent seems to be the only one. People that... don't give you shit about the Italian accent. They're
1: like, that's not
0: offensive. That's no. just how Italians are. That is. They're always holding a bowl of pasta. <laughs> And they're always a uh, talk, and a like this. Yeah. Uh, oh which, boy. Yeah, it's kind of true. Uh, <laughs> your parents are immigrants, right? Both of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, yeah. but you were born here.
1: I was born here. My sister was born in India,
0: so I'm like the
1: the only one. That's... Oh,
0: I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting. How much older is your sister? Just two years. Okay. Oh, that's an interesting. I wonder if that's a because my sister and I are both we're born here Mm -hmm. and I'm curious if that has any like, well, I guess if she was two and she left though, she probably doesn't. Yeah. It was
1: kind of, it was kind of all cloudy because even after I was born, like my mom was, my mom is like, I don't know how she did this, but she was like finishing med school and like having children at the same time. And she, I, I No. She, she was finishing med school in India. So it was a lot of like us, like I was born and then I went to India with her for six months so she could like finish a thing. And like my grandparents took care of my sister and I, and then I came back here. So it was kind of, I mean, it was only by chance that I was born here. I could have easily been born there.
0: That is incredible because- I had a baby earlier this year and I'm like, oh, I need an hour to do (laughs) a podcast, my life. I know. I heard,
1: like, I recently talked to my mom about it and it's just, it's wild. Like she had to take her med school exam right before she had my sister, like literally, I think days before my sister was due. My dad was like, you have to take the exam. Like, I'm tired of waiting for you here in America. And, like, you got to get it done. And it's, like, too bad you also have a baby due. <laughs> like, you just got to knock them both out in one week. Like, you know what?
0: I never thought that I would – I'm going to age myself tremendously. But as I get older, I've definitely become somebody who eye rolls at <laughs> what the youth complains about. Oh, yes. Because – Yeah. I have parents who also did insane things to survive and yes. to provide. And so the now I understand every time my dad called me like spoiled and right. I don't know how good I have it and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, I, he's right. Yeah. He should resent me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just feel like with immigrants, there's so much like,
0: trauma that
1: never gets talked about or aired out and that they've I guess just sublimated so much that it to them it's just like no this is just how things are and you're just like oh but it just got you in a sharing circle we could really work through this
0: (laughs) (laughs) do your parents and you don't have to answer you don't want to but do they go to therapy or believe in therapy or
1: my mom does because she actually like Um, my anxiety and depression are a legacy from her. Um, So she's like more into therapy and like self-help and all that. But my dad is more of that
0: generation of like, yeah, men men don't have feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Same. Yeah. Well, no, my mom, I mean, neither of them go, but my mom Mm. very adorably, just got it, she got an, I keep saying she just got an iPad, but she, she got it like probably five years ago. And I have to say for this, just this morning, uh, I was on FaceTime with her and she was very excited to show me how she figured out she now uses like digital coupons. Whoa. And she's 78. That's incredible. Yeah. And like, I keep, I, I, she doesn't, you know, who's going to tell, I'm keeping like, I'm so proud of you for learning technology, but it's really cute because on her iPad, uh, over this last year, every now and then she goes, "Hey, Julia, know I was uh, watching uh, this uh, YouTube video about uh, this uh, this uh, guy talk about uh, anxiety." Ma, I was a list. and like she's like watching all these sort of oh wellness, you know, things about mental health and how to yeah. relax, and it's it's really. Inspiring and beautiful to see because it really proves that, like, it's never too late to learn. Yeah. Um, Because my sister's a therapist. Yeah. And she sometimes comes on the show, and it's just such a jump because when she, you know, announced back when she was in college that she was going to study psychology, become a therapist. Yeah. I mean, my dad, because my family, we all just make fun of each other. And I think he was very uncomfortable with the notion of her researching (laughs) Mm. what's wrong with us and he was like oh therapist why because you're crazy and you gotta figure out how to not be so crazy and we all like laughed at her oh no (laughs) it's just like it's just so interesting to like see the progression of you know 20 30 years later of right them becoming i don't know it's just it's i have been thoroughly impressed By the fact that these very traditional immigrant, you must assimilate. You must get married to an immigrant that is exactly like you. You must. This is what it's expected of you. Yeah. You you have kids. You shut up. You don't get divorced. You, you know, mental. uh, You're not. You're not depressed. You're just complaining. You know, like to see them kind of go from that sort of upbringing to being as open minded as they can be at this age is. I it like it it opens my heart yeah, so much. Yeah,
1: I know. I I'm always curious now with like kids who are immigrants now like are their parents the same level of assimilationist as ours were?
0: Oh, I don't know. Yeah. That's a really interesting question because there is more resources for them. Yeah, I mean obviously
1: depending on their situation like it probably varies greatly, but
0: I think it's still a thing, though. I would be curious. I mean, I would love to talk to somebody who is the child of immigrants in their 20s.
1: Yeah, well, even just seeing some of these younger comics coming up who who are also children of immigrants, I'm like, well, they, like they in their comedy just seem a lot, like comedy itself has evolved so much from where I, I started of like, how much can I bring like my culture into my act without being seen as like hacky or something like I feel like that has shifted. So I'm like, that was definitely different when I was younger.
0: Do you think it's shifted in that you can talk about it more or you can talk, you shouldn't mm-hmm. talk about, it? you can like, you can talk about it more without being
1: pigeonholed into this, like, Oh, you're an ethnic comedian. Isn't that sad? It's so sad. It, it,
0: uh, you know, I, I mean, this is this isn't even what we were going to chat about. Oh, well, who cares what we're going to chat about? It's great. Um, I'm loving this because I, I first of all, I have a very strong belief that anyone who has immigrant parents, no matter where they're from, is bonded because it is yeah. a, a I think I think it's called third culture kids. Have you ever heard that term? Yes, I believe I have. Yeah. and And I believe that's the term and I hope I'm defining it correctly, but it basically means like. So you don't okay. so as as a third culture kid, I am American,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I don't totally feel American right because I was raised in a household that was very strongly Italian culture. Yeah, but yeah. if I were to live in Italy, I also wouldn't fully feel Italian uh, right? because I was raised in America. So I'm sort of this third culture, yeah. Yeah, that exists nowhere. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and I think it's really interesting because I think that like all kids of immigrants end up feeling a lot of that, again, no matter where their parents are from. But in in response to your question, I mean, I, or you didn't ask me a question. I'm the interviewer, but whatever. <laughs> uh, I struggled tremendously with that because when I first started comedy, it was a lot of stories about my family and I would do my mom's Mm -hmm, voice mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it, I, it did become a little bit of a a shtick because in, in that time, uh, I was like booked on like the Italian show. Right. Right. And I didn't hate it, but I was, I very much didn't want to just be pigeonholed as that. And then I think I went the opposite direction because I had, Somebody in comedy who, uh, I will tell you off pod who it is, but is (laughs) sort of a, you know, gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah. um, Say, in not so many words, the impressions of your mom are getting old. So basically I had gone from talking a lot about being Italian. Yeah. Not talking about being Italian. People coming up to me and being like, oh, you never tell stories about your mom. That was one of my favorite things. So then I sort of started to try to fuse... I tried to, yeah. And when I started doing that and I felt pretty good about it, I was like, okay, this isn't my whole personality, but it's part of my right. story. Right. And then I had this gatekeeper say that to me. It oh. devastated me. Yeah. How could it not? Because you're like, this is my life. And they're like, oh, it's getting old. Yeah. And the accent, I can't not tell a story about her without doing the accent because she sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think
1: there's with South Asian comedians in particular, there's like a whole, I don't know, there's like a whole mentality around whether to do the accent or not of like your parents. Because uh, I think because the South Asian accent is particularly one that is made fun of a lot, sometimes yeah. it feels like if you're doing your parents' accents, you're kind of being like, haha, ha, look at how stupid they sound.
0: Yeah. And then I get, I mean, I guess with Italian is sometimes I'm like, wait, but I, my parents actually sound, my mom actually sounds like that. Right. I want to, you know, like I want to do it. I'm not doing an impression of a waiter. Right. You know, I don't, it's, it's tricky.
1: It's tricky too. I think because people are, I think get caught in that thing of like, why are people laughing? Like, are they laughing at me or are they laughing? with?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it is a tough one. Um, I mean, I just, the amount of things, and I don't want to blame every issue, but so many of my things, including depression, anxiety, I have often traced back to being raised ethnic. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that's, I don't even know if ethnic's the appropriate term to use anymore, but I don't even know if that's fair because obviously I know that dysfunction and depression and all that stuff exist everywhere but in my brain for so many years i associated it with well if i was like a normal american right, right. maybe i wouldn't have you know like if i was a normal teenager with like a boyfriend and like i really wanted to be like a che- i really wanted to be a cheerleader with a boyfriend
1: yeah i feel like that was the that was the myth of like what being an american girl was for yep
0: so long. and You're because like- i didn't have that that's why i thought i was depressed and yeah. it's like, no, you probably just, your brain, you know, um, but for so long, I thought if only I had that and I, and my parents weren't so like loud and weird. Right. And I didn't have, you know, this five o'clock shadow from my body hair. Right. <laughs> maybe I'd be happier.
1: <laughs> right. And I think, I think you're right. Like any adolescent, obviously there's, you're going to find some source of angst or pain, but I do think, I do think it's fair to say that children of immigrants have a particularly interesting, like little Venn diagram of what they're struggling
0: with. Yeah, it is. um, Did you grow up speaking a different language? Yeah. Like my parents, I, And this
1: feels common, but like most people in other countries seem to speak far more languages than people in America. But Mm -hmm. so my parents in India, you learn like the national language, which is Hindi. And then like whatever your local language is, which my parents is Thelgu. They're from like a part of South India and then English. So they... Spoke all three, but then they would speak telugu and English to us and then Hindi to each other. I think when they didn't want my sister and I didn't know <laughs> what they were saying. Yeah. But we weren't like one of those households where they're like, you can only speak, you know, telugu at home or something. So we gradually just dropped it and switched to all English, which I yeah. feel that is something I regret because I'm like, I wish I was fluent in that. Can you, Because you can't speak it anymore? No, like barely, barely can speak it and then, but can still understand it better than I can speak it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We grew up speaking, I guess I'd call it a Tanglish. Mm. There's like a lot of weird words. Well, so, I mean, there's Italian and then there's dialects. There's not, I don't think it's quite, it's not like India, but there's definitely like a few words here and there are right, different right. in different regions. So my parents spoke mostly Italian, but then kind of same thing, like English started taking over more and more. But there was many words that I used as a kid at school. Yeah. And I remember people being like, what? And I, because it wasn't Italian or English. It was just sort of like a, a mishmash of right whatever we spoke in the household. Yeah. And I'm trying right now to think of it's it. Well, to I really want my daughter to be able to speak Italian. Oh, yeah. So I've been – I can speak it. I can speak it, but it com uh, uh fellow comedian Matteo Lane, mm-hmm. who speaks beautiful Italian, he described it because I he'll be like, speak Italian with me. Like, let's like practice. Yeah. Yeah. And the way he described it is that he sound when he speaks Italian, he sounds very like, hello. <laughs> and when I speak Italian, I'm like, hi, y'all. Like, and not that there's anything wrong with either of those ways of speaking, but he's very proper. And right. I sort of have like a more I don't know what you want to call that voice I just did. I'm sure it offended somebody. Um,
1: no, but I think you're right. I think there is a weird class system in language yes. too, where it's like, I, I remember my parents like once made these new friends and and they like commented that like, oh, your Thelgu is so much more like colloquial and quaint, which I think was their way of saying like low class or yes, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. My mom will call, she'll, she, will she, has called the Italian that we speak very cavon. I don't know if you know mm. what a cavon is. It's like a I've heard the, I've heard the sort word. of like a cheap you, you say it about cheap people, like oh. sort of like an idiot, a cavon. Yeah. yeah. And uh she always bl- she blames my dad for a speaking poor Italian, which I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Sure, sure. Sure. Yeah, I guess he yelled it more. Um <laughs> but um so something that I, growing up with, ugh, struggle feels like an intense word, but I don't know how you felt about this. So my part of the assimilation that came up a lot was I was very much encouraged to do well in school. That was mm-hmm. like huge for my dad. But for me, because I was a girl. Yeah. There was also this kind of a side, I felt like, where it was like, do, be good in school, be a lawyer, be a doctor, be smart. Like sh- I, like they wanted me to like show people that I was like successful, but I could also just marry well and be a mom. Huh. And so I, and, and I don't know if they necessarily said that, but maybe it was because that was the example. My mom was a stay at home mom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very... I think, acceptable, if not expected, of their generation and their ethnicity that, like, once you have a kid, right. the the woman takes care of the kid and, and the, the man, assuming you're in a heterosexual relationship, yes. which it was, it was definitely implied. So it was very confusing to me, because I didn't know if I should work hard to be successful. Yeah. But then I also was like, very obsessed with having a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And so I felt very split. So I'm curious if either of those are familiar to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I also felt very boxed into that do well in school, do these things don't make too many big waves, like kind of just, you know, do well, but then don't draw too much attention to yourself with the doing well.
0: But then look where we both ended up. I know,
1: <laughs> truly, truly failed on several counts. Yeah. But um, but I also like wanted the boyfriend and wanted the you know the cool high school or middle school social life. But I think I was also just a really sheltered kid. Like mm. I didn't, you know, have a bunch of friends that I hung out with like we I think outside of school, there was very much like an active home life where there just wasn't. We weren't allowed to like go to sleepovers or like date. me neither. Yeah, I don't know what the sleepover thing, I've talked to several children of immigrants who they can't do the
0: sleepovers. We well, don't I was, know what's going on in that house. Yep, you have yeah. your own bed. We paid for a bed. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of like, I mean, they eventually let me have, right. do do it a okay. few times because mm-hmm. I begged and I was like, yes. I'm the only one at school I know. who's a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't understand sleepovers. I don't think they fully understand trick or treating. <laughs> And they hated it when I remember in third or fifth grade, like we're going, like there was like a, a week long camp thing, like ecology mm-hmm. camp. Yeah. They yeah, hated yeah, yeah. that idea. My mom yeah. hated that idea of me leaving for a week. She literally chased the bus crying <laughs> goodbye when <laughs> oh I was driving God. away as if I was going to war. And <laughs> we had, but we, we did like a fundraiser. Where we sold wrapping paper. Yeah to raise money for the trip. I remember that fundraiser. And my parents were mortified that I had to go door to door because they were like, it makes us look like we have no money. I know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: my parents were not into these school fundraising events.
0: Yeah, but sleepovers
1: is hilarious. Yeah, I've heard that frequently. They're like, I mean, I think the more dark undertone is like, You could get molested by these people. You know, we don't. Oh, Well, I don't. My parents never said that, but I've heard that from a friend. Like they were like, we don't know these adults.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. And so when you got to college, like, did you. So what did you study in college? Like, did you end up going the path of your. Because is your dad uh, a medical professional as well? Yeah. Both my parents are doctors. So. Okay. All right. So did you think you were going to follow that path or what happened to you then?
1: No, I was pretty openly like, I want to be a writer or like, I want to do something creative. I think earlier, maybe when I was a kid, I was all over the place. I was like, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a veterinarian, you know, the the same laundry list of a lot of kids. But by the time I was in high school, I think I was like, Oh, I think I like this comedy thing. But I had no idea what the entry point was to even follow that path. So in college, I ended up majoring in psychology, which is kind of funny because it is adjacent to comedy in that we're dissecting the human condition. But my dad as like, you know, an anti feelings person, he would, he would always kind of give me shit. Like the way your sister got shit where he was like, Oh, that's like a quack science. Like that's not real. (laughs)
0: because softened, softened up?
1: He's softened up over the years, but I think he's yeah. still like you guys and your feelings. Yeah, <laughs> go wild. Yeah, can't you just work twenty jobs yeah, and not yeah. deal with them? <laughs> I'm like, honestly, I wish. Sometimes yeah. I do wish I can put all the things <sighs> back in Pandora's box.
0: Yeah, same. So okay, so yeah, you're in, and then. But I know that you had, like, a switch happen, right, in college? Yeah, so my
1: big thing in college that happened that kind of, like, put me on a weirdly more direct path to comedy was that I was struggling with, like, an eating disorder. I guess my sophomore year, and I – things were, like, not going well once that started because I just kind of checked out of school and was just, like, not happy – I mean, the eating disorder later turned out to be kind of just a coping mechanism of, for depression. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't know that's what it was. And then Can I asked what the disorder was. Yeah, I was mainly restricting. So like, okay. mainly anorexic behavior, but I was also like running for the school's cross country team. So there was just like a lot going on. And I decided to take time off of school to get better. And I remember even that was like a big thing with my parents where they're like, can't you just like get better while you're there? <laughs> <laughs> like, you really need to take the break. You really need to go somewhere. Cause I ended up going to a treatment center. And I think that that was like, even for my mom, that was like a bridge, bridge too far of like, you really, this is a lot, you know, like this is wow. a lot. Of,
0: yeah. So, when, uh, okay. So, I have a couple questions there. So, did you, was it you that recognized you needed treatment? Yeah. I
1: think that's the weird thing about it was like, I, not that I self-diagnosed it, but I, I had stopped getting my period for like a couple of months mm-hmm. and I was like, this seems off. So I went to the student health center and they were like, Hey, you're like, you've like lost a lot of weight in the past. Like since we last did your exam, did you realize that? And I was like, no. And then I kind of put it together myself. And then I think just in like problem solving, don't, Again, assimilationist mode, don't want to make waves. I was like, I'm just gonna handle this on my own. Mm-hmm. And then that did not go so well.
0: Yeah. Well, I I ask because I you're gonna be shocked, also having disorder <laughs> oh, to deal with uh later realizing it's to deal with in you know, anxiety depression. I was as an Italian, I mean yeah. You, oh you yeah, can't, you can't not be anything but bulimic because I know eating my feelings. Yeah start, you know, covered in cheese. Here's a pizza. <laughs> not even kidding. The amount of times that I was sad and my parent, my mom was like, ah, I'm going to make something. I mean, like literally, and I get it. And so, you know, right. no, no surprise. Um, and I, well, I, I always say I was bulimic-ish because yeah. with bulimia, I didn't have the, I, I didn't have the discipline. I was always very jealous of anorexics because I didn't have the discipline to not eat, Right. And I wouldn't – it wasn't like I'd have a binge episode and then throw up every Mm -hmm, time. mm -hmm. It was sort of like a – I think I would every now and then like stress eat. Yeah. And then feel guilty – Right. Gross about stress eating, and I just had a very—I I never had to like put my fingers down my throat. I can just—I can throw up very easily. I threw up a lot. Of, like, I threw up a lot as a kid. I would get like whenever I'd get scared as a kid or carsick. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, yeah. I now think that might have been actually anxiety, right? But I've always just been able to throw up easily. Yeah. But I—I I was like that in the entire four years of college. But because Whoa. it wasn't, you know, affecting my weight really or. It wasn't like every week, right? I somehow convinced myself it wasn't a problem, and then I remember—I think it was senior year. Yeah, senior year they had you know like eating disorders awareness week, right? And and you could go and take a quiz, yeah. And my quiz came back that I didn't, and I answered it honestly. What? And I. I, I mean, you know, I think it was a multiple choice, so I don't think I could, because there wasn't like a choice to say, I throw up once a month. Right, right. It didn't give me a score. For, oh. And so because I passed the test, right? I was like, I guess I'm fine. And then it was a year after college that I similarly decided I needed, like I joined a, a a group therapy thing. I didn't go into treatment, but, um, but I only decided that because I then did start to have period problems right? and my throat was on fire all the time, (laughs) but, but kind of the same thing. I didn't want to, I, I, the way you just described it, I I had never had put two and two together before that. That's what it was, was I was like, yeah, like, I don't want to make a big, I don't want to make a big thing about it. Yeah, I think I mean, I think up until that
1: point in my life, I just was used to, to handling things on my own, because I sort of had a family dynamic. And I've heard other people talk about this, where it's like one sibling is maybe demanding a little bit more attention from their parents. So the other one kind of just goes into self, uh, like independent mode where you're Mm. like, I'll just take care of things on my own, because it seems like you guys are all busy.
0: Oh, and so were they busy with your sister more? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Where it's like she had a little bit more friction during her adolescence or like, you know, blow ups with them. So then I was like, well, that doesn't seem to be going well for her. I'm going to handle this differently. Mm. Growing up, I really thought like my brain was just how everyone's brains were. And I didn't have the words for like anxiety or depression. And, you know, God forbid, like anyone in our family go to therapy, like. As children. So I think I was just like, oh, everyone gets sad sometimes for no reason, which I mean, they do, but but depression is like another level of that. Um, Or like everyone's nervous about everything and everyone
0: else is just doing a
1: better job with it
0: than I am. Yeah. I mean, the words, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't until... I feel like the last three years that I started to use the words anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. I, I really I don't know why I was okay with everyone else using them. Yeah. I felt like I'm making a big. I mean, on, this is up until, and I know I I, I pride myself on on being well educated in this stuff and being right. passionate toward others about it. Uh, but I I just was like, yeah, but like I think I'm making a big deal out it. Like, am I real? And then it wasn't right. until because I always saw therapists, and then I finally saw a psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess it was only. It was almost three years ago, and and there was something in my brain where I was like, well, if a if a legit doctor, <laughs> yeah, diagnosed, and she was like, yeah, clearly, like, she was almost like, yeah, obviously, and I was like, I don't know, like sometimes, like I'm not going to kill myself, right, but, like, right, I think right. about it, and she was right, like, yeah, that's a uh, that's depression, yeah. Uh, I don't know why I, I think I, I do think there is something to the assimilate and not make too much of a wave. Totally. Cause I think even with my mental health I've or
1: mental illness, I've had that same perfectionist mindset of like, yeah, the same thing of like, well, I'm not, you know, standing on the ledge of a building. Like I'm fine.
0: Yeah. And I, yeah, it felt like a, um, I don't really mean what I'm about to say, but for me, for me only, it yeah. felt like admitting defeat mm, mm-hmm. in a way. And there's something so, I don't know, like when you, when you've, when you're used to being, I hate to say miserable because I like to have fun. I laugh. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm funny, but deep down in the pit of my stomach, for mm-hmm. most of my life, was always this notion of like, yeah, but misery is more comfortable. Oh, totally. Private misery. Yes. In public, I I can forget if I'm distracted by like friends and yeah. and, and guys, and that's why I think I would get so obsessed with guys too. Yeah, it's a great distraction. Yeah. But then when I would be alone, being upset about something, yeah was so comfortable and I, and it's like, well, that, yeah, that's anxiety and depression. Right. You know? Um,
1: Yeah. I've only just recently realized that like, I actually have such a harder time sitting in like emotions that are more easily associated with positivity, like (laughs) joy or like contentment. Like I I'm like, okay, now what, you know, like I can't, settle into them as easily as just being like, things are bad. I'm bad. Yeah. Do you, do you feel, um, guilty? I think there's guilt. And I think there's also like, you're obviously not thinking of something that you're, that is going to catch you unprepared.
0: Yeah. I get that. I also, I mean, I think with that is, um, I don't know if you have this, but it's almost hard for me to take credit Mm-hmm. When things are like, I can say right now, I literally said this to my husband yesterday because I was having a moment. Yeah. I was like, I am so content mm-hmm. and uh, with my personal life right now, like I, yeah. I have, I have a really good marriage. Yeah. I have a child that like, I knew would bring me joy, but this is, it's bringing me more joy than I anticipated. Oh, um, and yeah, I like my I like my little family. That yeah. I, yeah, and and I forget sometimes that I created it, right? And instead, I om- I have moments where I'm like, did I like cheat the system, right? And like get this, and like w- like what is? It- I'm just so used to like having so then that's often when i then shift my like i'm like well i can always stress about my career
1: thank right. god for that oh you i know, know.
0: i or, know i don't know something stupid but uh yeah it is it's it's shocking how hard it is sometimes to sit with joy
1: yeah i don't know what it's about i think it is the anxious brain being like yeah i gotta find something to work on
0: well and also it's habitual i mean don't you think yeah. that yeah if if you've had those feelings of like, you know, whatever it is, unworthiness or not deserving, mm-hmm. or I did something bad How, to, to suddenly switch that. Right. You know, is, um, it's going to take a while.
1: Yeah. And I've worked out, like, I've been in therapy for years and years. And I think I've, you know, I've done like so many different methodologies and like CBT is like the one that mm-hmm. is like cognitive behavioral. So you're replacing your dysfunctional thoughts with more healthy constructive thoughts and like I feel like I've gotten it's almost like two steps forward three steps back where I I feel like I'm getting closer to changing in a positive way and then it's like so easy to just like slip back into that old comfortable sweatshirt of
0: negativity that that ugly (laughs) sweatshirt that's like you are a piece of shit literally just uh it just so
1: easily can explain all your problems. You're like, yeah, but if if I remember that
0: I'm a piece of shit, that, then all of this makes more sense. Yeah. Well, then, and also, I mean, I do think it's, um, I don't know that, I don't really like, I, I know it's a very controversial notion that like comedians are depressed and right, you know, right, insane. Right, right, right. But, but I do think that because that is a, feeling that is funnier yes it is also easy to get used to that because I've definitely had moments throughout my therapy journey where I'm like well I don't want to get too happy right because what am I gonna do go on stage and talk about how much? I mean I guess I could go on stage and talk about how much I love my daughter like I am trying to figure out how to make that funny yeah it but it's it's a new direction to go totally
1: I was just thinking about that recently too of like when things are going badly it's so much easier to make that funny but then I was like but then again like all the like SNL characters are basically like overconfident fools. fool yeah. <laughs> so so maybe you have to like if you are gonna be like things are going well you just have to do it in such a way that people are like what a stupid person yeah what?
0: I kind of want to be I wish I was stupider I know So when you, when you left, so when did you leave college? You left?
1: Yeah. So my sophomore year, I took off, I guess I left after the first semester Mm -hmm. and like went, well, went to this treatment center and then went home. And that was like where I was first diagnosed with depression. And I went on meds. And I think like a lot of people, like when you first, first go on meds, you're suddenly like, wait, I can like experience the world in this frequency like Mm -hmm. how is that even possible uh I feel like there was like another level of this video game that no one told me about yeah and so uh and so that was actually what gave me I think the courage to try comedy because I think I just was like so jazzed on like possibilities and I don't know if otherwise I would have had the courage to like try something that was really pretty far outside my comfort zone
0: and so that was a big switch for you then right Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah the treatment center and that so have you have you stayed on meds the whole time since?
1: I think I've maybe tried to go off two or three times when I felt like it was in a more stable period of my life, but I've just never been able to make it work. It's
0: trick I mean, I, I've I have let's see, the first time I really started taking them was ten years ago. And I want to say that I went off and on. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's such a blur. Anywhere from eight to twelve times. Wow. I just kept because because I'm on, I'm like on a very low dose yeah. of Zoloft. Mm-hmm. And I get I would just have these moments where I'm like, well, I'm doing good. I guess I'm cured. Yes. And then I would wean off and then I'd be like, I'm going to do CBD. And like, I don't have this whole plan and it would work for a while. And then the tiniest thing would throw me back. And, and again, it kind of was, it it was that same thing around the time when I finally accepted like a diagnosis. That's when I also finally fully committed because that same psychiatrist was like, can you promise me you'll stay on it for a year? Yeah. And then you can decide after a year. Because I never stayed a full... I think the longest I ever was on was like five months, six months. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And that was two and a half years ago, I think. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to... I don't think I'm ever going to stop.
1: Yeah. I've noticed a lot of people I know who like don't like them as much or just feel more iffy about them. Because I think I've always accepted them just whole hog because I'm like, they changed my life. They made everything better. But uh the people I know who have more reservations around them are either people have seen other people just go through far worse experiences on them or they were exposed to them like they were like over medicated earlier in life or like had a bad experience with like bad mental health professionals, which unfortunately there are a lot of and so they've been kind of turned off of them forever, which I totally get.
0: Yeah, I mean, I respect anyone's I've talked about meds a couple of times on the show and just in general, and like I never want to make it sound like I don't work for big pharma. (laughs) Um I would do (laughs) like I would love to as somebody who is like I've I very much care about like the quality of food I eat and I, you know, I I try to go the natural route a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but I've just, you know, similarly to me, very I did not have to be convinced to get an epidural yeah, when I had a kid yeah, yeah. and all the other drugs they gave me. There's just <laughs> certain things where like, I'm like, I do as much as I can. I don't even want to say natural. I think that's actually a shitty mentality. The more I think about it, people are like, Oh, meds aren't natural, but they, they,
1: are. yeah, they are to some degree. I mean, I don't think they're natural in the way of like, you can find Zoloft in the wild, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I- <laughs> But I think you're right in that they're operating on things in your brain that are already there and have. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It is so funny, though, because in talking about, you know, our families and mental health, it, it's, you know, their reaction to my sister studying psychology. And I don't know, I was raised so much. Uh, and I, I don't know if this is part of your family, too, mm-hmm. but that like everything is a secret. Yeah keep it private. I think that was also the resistance to yes. therapy is like, yes. why do you have to like, when I first started going to therapy, I remember my mom being my mom and dad being like, well, what are you telling them about us? Right. Now they're totally cool with it. But it is so ironic that my sister became a therapist, worst nightmare. Right. And then I took it the next level <laughs> and was like, Oh, I'm not going to talk about you guys privately. I'm going to talk about this shit (laughs) on stage, on podcasts. I'm going to write about it, you know, but I do feel like I've always very much felt this way about children, especially those of immigrant parents. Like it, I do feel like it is my, they came to this country, they gave me all these tools and opportunities Mm -hmm. to help them expand their minds as well. Totally. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like my parents have just changed so much from when I was a kid and they're just like so much more mellow. And I mean, obviously just raising two children and like working full time is a lot for anyone, but I do think, I feel like you do in that they, they have just evolved so much in the time they've lived in this country.
0: Yeah. I sort of think of it as like, you know, the bird, they kept me in this nest because I was like very overprotective and then they like let me fly a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And like anytime they've ever gotten mad about me being like wild, quote unquote wild, because you know, (laughs) I have a nose ring and I'm divorced and whatever. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm always like, well, this is like kind of your fault because you somehow raised me to like, I guess, break the mold or pattern or whatever. Yeah. And then it's so cute because like every time they've ever gotten mad at me about doing something, you know, very unculturally whatever. Yeah. Yes. Then like later on they're always like, so wait, like how exactly did you <laughs> so you just went ahead and did what you wanted? What's that right. like?
1: Yeah. You know? We want it. we want to try that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe my parents my parents were on my last podcast. Maybe they'll come on. I phone. know.
1: You should have them on forward.
0: Yeah, my mom will talk about coupons. Um Aparna this was so fantastic. I know.
1: I feel like I I feel like I've processed a lot just in talking.
0: Really? About. I do too, actually. Yeah. Um, this was fantastic. I know. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Do you have anything you want to share with anyone listening? Uh like promote. Whatever promote um, if you oh well before that I'm so sorry I almost forgot most important part of my podcast yeah, I ask yeah. every guest at the end yes uh, should I get bangs? Ooh, how many times have you had bangs in your life? <sighs> Great question. You know, I had them uh, in the nineties. Okay, you know the ones you spray up high, mm-hmm, right? You know, mm-hmm. and then I've had them. A couple times as an adult, both sideswept and flat down. Okay. Um, but it's been a while.
1: All right. So I think, you know, if there is cyclical thing for you, I would I would see how you're feeling. I wouldn't do anything as the pandemic is ending because that feels like we're all feeling it out. And maybe, maybe it's not the time to just do something where you're like, I don't know if I feel safe, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once you're feeling a little more settled into post pandemic life, I would, I would, you know, hold, hold a little, I, I'm sure there's a filter now where it's like what bangs app and just see how you feel about it. Have you had bangs? I've had, I can only think of one time I had them like maybe in elementary school and I was okay with them, but I think they did feel like a lot of upkeep for me. So I didn't have oh, the so patience. Keep.
0: Yeah, I'm a messy, I'm a messy bun gal. Yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: I just cut all my hair off because I just couldn't deal
0: with it. I mean, I thought about shaving my head this pandemic, and I'm really glad my husband stopped me. (laughs) I do think that bangs for women, and I don't know if I've said this before, but uh, I know a lot of guys that went blonde this pandemic. Oh,
1: interesting. That's male bangs. Wow. I think. Like going blonde like Eminem blonde? Yeah. Whoa.
0: Yeah, that sounds more drastic than bangs to me. I mean, hey, you know, all the—I guess you can die it back. Yeah, you can die it back. You know, so nothing is nothing is permanent, both physically and mentally and emotionally. Yeah,
1: that's such a good note that is, to, to that leave is. on. Um, but do you
0: have anything you want to promote?
1: Oh, I was going <laughs> to actually promote because I was listening to another one of your episodes, and you guys oh, pr- promoted Tara Bra. Who I love, but because she's already gotten some love, I'm going to plug these, uh, this weird meditation podcast that I shouldn't call it weird. But this little meditation podcast I found online called mini meditations with shell Hamilton. And I cannot recommend them enough. They're Ooh. all they're all very short guided meditations because I've, I've just needed the guided lately. I can't do it with my own thoughts. So She's just she's like a hypnotist and she just has all these different meditations. They're all very soothing. Like one is she's taking you to a waterfall. Oh, one nice. you're like in space, you know, they're just great. Ooh, I'll go to space. And they're all really short. They're like I think 10 minutes max, but some of amazing five. Yeah. Sheldon. Mini meditations with Shell Hamilton. I think it's Shell. a shortening of Michelle. Not sure. C H E L.
0: Look at you, Aparna. Using use your promo time to well, promote the, the mental well-being of of others.
1: Got it. Got to throw it out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not like anyone's going to shows or anything right now. Oh. <laughs> maybe by the time this comes out, they'll be. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll be at a party. <laughs> yeah
1: when the, oh
0: wow <laughs> or maybe you and I won't be at the party we won't be but we we were invited to. yes it. we were invited you'll always be invited to my parties thank you so much Aparna thanks Julie bye bye, bye. was so gracious in giving us that meditation tool as her promo i I love that she did that um, and so I'm gonna keep this really short and just um, you know if anyone's listening who might be struggling with an eating disorder and you Want to know where to start as far as possibly getting some help? Uh, nationaleatingdisorders.org dot is a great resource. They they have a page literally called "Where Do I Start" um, with resources and and a lot of guidance. Um, I also want to remind people to please send in any questions, dilemmas, breakthroughs, anything uh, to Should I Get Bangs Pod. At Gmail, my sister is also a therapist, Elena. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard her before. We're going to do a special episode of Just the Two of Us where we uh, respond to listeners' emails. Um, so please take advantage of her. She's, she's so knowledgeable in her field, and uh, we won't say her name on air we'll keep that confidential. Uh, So that's should I get bangs pod at Gmail. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you're enjoying this podcast.